Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. That left shoulder sprain, early reports had Embiid expected to miss in a range of 7 to 10 days to 3 to 4 weeks. We'll have to wait and see how long the big man is out. Obviously, the 76ers are without Ben Simmons as well. We'll have to keep an eye on that as we roll forward in the National Basketball Association. Could have a harsh outcome for the 76ers as they roll forward in the NBA Last night, Demise Harris had himself a night, 34 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists for the 76ers who held serve at home against the Knicks and covered the spread as well, 115-106. to Julius Randle on the other side, 30 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. Hassan Whiteside in a loss, a double-double, 18 points, 16 rebounds, added 4 blocks as the Trailblazers lost to the Pacers, 106-100. to in other news from the MLB ranks, John Heyman of MLB Network is reporting that the Mets and Athletics are among teams that have checked in on Russell Martin. Martin has said he wants to play in 2020, but is taking care of some personal matters right now. Luis Severino did undergo Tommy John surgery on Thursday. Justin Verlander pitched a two-inning simulated game on Thursday in place of what had been a scheduled spring training debut. Out at the Combine, Alabama wide receiver Henry Ruggs III showed elite speed. At the scouting combine Thursday night, he ran a 4.27 official 40 time, followed with an unofficial 4.31. Former Washington wide receiver John Ross, currently with the Cincinnati Bengals, ran a 4.22 second uh, 40-yard dash in 2017. That is the current record. But all this talk about the NFL combine, hand size, cone, cone speed and 40 times, maybe a punter who has the best story, Arizona State's Michael Turk, the only kicker to participate in the bench press, put up 25 reps of 225 pounds. I'm Dan Strafford, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. All right, Dan, thank you very much. And it was uh, it was a great night. Now, obviously, you know, Dan had mentioned there, uh, Joel Embiid being out a week. Very interesting week here for the 76ers. And any hopes of them uh, free-falling, obviously, were put, to, uh, were put to bed when they were able to uh, dominate here. But... It'll be fun to see what happens over the weekend as they start getting into, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, a little better competition here. Uh, Embiid, one week could be two weeks, could be depending on what happens with Simmons. I think the Philadelphia 76ers, depending on the matchup, and we'll take a look at their upcoming schedule, Jared, but the 76ers are going to be very intriguing Depend, you know, these games he's going to be out and Simmons are going to be out. They might, you know, some teams might be salivating a little yeah. bit uh, on the schedule as they get ready to play the Philadelphia 76ers. That's two big pieces. Yeah, and you're going to laugh at the three teams they face next. One of them's your sleeper team of the month, and the other two are the Lakers and the Clippers. It's Clippers, Lakers, Kings. <laughs> the next three oh. games. And then they get, it's a oh. four-game West road trip. Then they get the Warriors at least at the end. So he's going to miss all three. He's going to miss that entire road trip. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm guessing 0-2 wow. maybe if they're lucky. And we talked about it last night. The Kings covered. We were giving out Sacramento yesterday on the yep. show. They're playing better as yep. well. So I, I would definitely put some L's next to the Sixers for Lakers Clippers. Uh, and then we'll see what they yeah. do in Sacramento next weekend. Not the easiest road uh, without Joel Embiid. At least, though, to me, that's positive, and we talked about this on the show too, Joe. Because the you know the Sixers have been so inconsistent this year, their mindset's so important. 
So at least they are, they will yeah. know now, okay, it's a week. It's not a month. I'm a little more concerned about Simmons. I was talking to some Sixers friends last night. They're not concerned. And a very rational Philadelphia yes. fan actually was not panicking yet. Uh, I, I, wow. I, I, I give credit wow. to her. Uh, but but overall, I think Simmons' injury definitely is more concerning because it's the back, and we've seen that injury derail a lot of careers in the past for pro athletes. Yeah, it was, and uh, and we'd be remiss if we didn't wish our uh, a good friend Jared Smith here a very happy birthday today Thank as you. he's hanging with us here on his birthday. So my Charles Oakley we promise, year. Uh, just. <laughs> that's oh, nice, even 34. better. I promise you, we'll go ahead and make this. Uh, uh, we'll go ahead and make this a very profitable day heading into the weekend for you. We will do it. We've been crushing it all week, so we'll keep doing that. And favorites crushed it last night, Jared, in the NBA. There was no doubt about it. Uh, but they were only 2-2 two and two against the number. So while favorites went 4-0 and oh straight up, uh, not necessarily great when it came to uh, to covering against the number. The Kings uh, getting that uh, closed at 7.5. We yeah. on the show yesterday. It opened up at six and a half. We said, well, you jump on that. And it climbed to seven and a half. But the uh, the Thunder were able, big comeback in the second half. They were down uh, double digits there yeah. uh, at halftime. So good job by Chris Paul and company at the Thunder who have been covering machines at home, guys. But they didn't cover last night. They did get the win. Um, you had the Blazers also on the road getting double digits against the uh, the Indiana Pacers. We talked about this game yesterday saying, um, I don't know if I can back them without Lillard, but it seemed like an awfully high number as far as the total yeah, went. And the total, it didn't hit at all. It was in the 220s, and we're going, ooh, that's, uh, yeah, no, 100 to uh, 106 is good. The Kings, the Lakers blew out. We said it's either Lakers or bust. There's no way that we can yeah. back Golden State. Even with LeBron not playing, and even that if felt he like played, a pass game played, to so. me, Joe. That was a pass. I, exactly. I didn't bet that one last night. That was a pass exactly. game. Exactly. And the Sixers ended up uh, winning a game without Embiid. So uh, yeah. we had said all hell would have broken loose if they lost to the Knicks. <laughs> but blood uh, in the they streets did a pretty of good Broad job Street. there. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, it was a uh, it was a good game as far at least it was a competitive game. Philadelphia kind of uh, you know, ran away with it there a little bit in the first, but the Knicks at least made it interesting at some point in the second half, but a 115-106 win. And you also have, uh, I believe, the totals last night. Unders yeah, were the way unders. to go, three and one. And I don't know about you, we got 10 NBA games tonight, 11 college hoops games, and we'll, uh, we'll break them down for you coming up. But Fridays I often find in the NBA – they tend to be overnights. Mm. And what I mean by that is that the players, everybody knows people, it's payday. Yeah. Usually guys are going, you know, the stands are packed. It is showtime heading into the weekend. Fridays, we tend to get, at least the NBA players know, Friday, everyone's a little lubed up, getting ready to rock <laughs> and roll. And these players, they put on a show on Friday night. So we'll take a look at some of these total numbers, Jared, but... Fridays are usually for the overs in the association. Yeah, there, I, I've seen a couple of them that that interest me. Actually, the one that's crazy is this uh, Magic Timberwolves one that's two thirty-five. Yes, and I would not think yeah, of the Magic that as except the team. That yeah, that one was <laughs> yeah. that one's a little high even for me. Even for yeah. me, that's a little yeah. rich for my blood. Uh, I, I haven't seen a bunch of them posted yet, but we're starting to see a few. Actually, the Clippers Nuggets one's intriguing because uh, that one you would think yes. would be an under game. And we're seeing some movement yep. to the under there, but I I I don't know if I'm I I don't I don't I don't know if the Nuggets defense is going to be able to handle this 
fully loaded Clippers lineup. For the first time in a while, we're seeing the Clippers healthy, where they've had a couple guys come back and they've had a couple games under their belt. I need to see a little more consistency out of Paul George. But this Clippers offense, I think the Clippers might get ready to go on a run here. I have a feeling uh, that, that they're like, all right, enough of this Lakers garbage. Like, we're a pretty good team, too. We got 10 of them tonight to break down for you. We'll go over top 25 college hoops last night. A couple of upsets. We'll break it down. Make some money for you heading into the weekend here on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It's the early line. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. College hoops here as we are in the home stretch, and we uh, just a couple of games left for many schools. Many of the conferences uh, will begin uh, rather quickly. Uh, conference championships, uh, and that means before we get the selection Sunday, there are some games, and there certainly were last night where teams really had nothing to play for. Uh, in other words, they could not, uh, they couldn't improve their seating. In their conference tournament, they've either clinched, they either went somewhere. There are definitely opportunities on the card through this weekend here where if you understand the backdrop, where are these teams, where are these schools? A lot of them are just simply gearing up for their conference tourney. There's really not a whole lot that they can do otherwise as far as bettering their position. Now, obviously, if you're a top 25 team like you're seeing here last night and you are Colorado, Uh, That was a gut check moment for you, having lost the way they did uh, to UCLA at home in the final seconds, just throwing up all over themselves. This was their first game after that. And it was a gut check moment as uh, Mark Fox and company uh, doing a great job at California. They've uh, already surpassed anything that they've done over the last couple of years. And they can uh, they can also put a check mark next to taking down number 21 Colorado at home last night, 76 62. Colorado has got some issues. Uh, We mentioned Ohio State, too, Nebraska, Ohio State. We said this was going to be the role of the night here, and it certainly was. 75-54. The Zags uh, had no problem laying the 25 there, (laughs) 94-59. First half over, Um, too. And then we got, yeah, we had one of our, uh, exactly, first half over. There's a a couple of uh, absolutes in this world, certainly in college hoops, and one of them is uh, backing the Zags in the over in the first half is has been absolute money. But when you break it down, and between all of those, you did have, when we start to get to this Wisconsin game against Michigan, we had said two of the hottest teams in a Big Ten, Wisconsin, had won four in a row, Michigan five in a row. It was in the big house. You know, this was in Michigan here in Ann Arbor. And we were wondering, man, if if they can put, the, you know, they all of a sudden, they can win this game. Uh, this is going to be a Michigan team that, hey, why not? You know, nobody, uh, nobody's yeah. going to want to play them. Well, uh, as it turns out, I don't know anybody who wants to play Wisconsin right now here, guys. Wisconsin 
they're good again. I don't know what happened, but that's their fifth win. That's a big road win Monster. for a Big Ten team in Wisconsin that has not been able to get it done. I could not be – I mean, kudos to, uh, to uh, the Wisconsin Badgers for going on a road in a tough place and getting it done. I, I didn't think it was going to happen, but, damn, it, it happened, man. That was pretty impressive last night. Demetric Trice is playing about as good as a junior guard can play yep. right now in this Wisconsin backcourt. And usually we talk about the Wisconsin bigs. They've got a couple bigs that are okay. The Micah Potter yep. kid can play. But it's Greg yep. Gard that's running this show. And I don't know what it is. Yep. So, and, and, you know, John Rothstein has these little sayings for all the coaches and players and teams and all this stuff. And it's, it's a gimmick. It's fun. But for Greg Gard, it fits. Silent Assassin. You don't hear from this guy all year. You yeah. don't hear from Wisconsin all year. They're such an under-the-radar team. But what do we what do we talk about? We talk, we've been beating it all, all week, Joe. Balance. Top 40 offense. Top 40 defense. Yeah. They win on the road. They don't give up a lot of big score lines. They keep the score lines close. They play at a very, arguably one of the slowest paces in the country. Adjusted tempo of 343. Yes. There are 363 teams in college basketball. There's only 20 teams in the entire country that play at a slower pace than Wisconsin. And what that means for March, they are unafraid of being in late shot clock situations. And that is when the yep. biggest daggers are hit, when the defense defends for 25 seconds, but in the last five seconds, Trice, one of these big men, make a play, and they're not rattled by that late shot clock. They don't see it ticking down, and they're like, oh, I'm going to force something up. They are under control at all times. And in March, when things get yep. very helter-skelter, being under control at all times is key. That number was big last night. We talked about it. We liked Michigan on the money line, but we thought that the number itself was too big. You know, if you bet Michigan money line, yep. you obviously lost. But the points, the, the, the seven that went down, I think it closed around five and a half. So that was obviously the play last night. Wisconsin clearly has a little bit of juice. Their last three games, Minnesota, Northwestern, Indiana, they're going to probably win out. They're yep. going to probably win out, yep. and they're probably going to be a top-four seed in the Big Ten tournament, and they're going to get that double bye into the semi or the quarterfinals. And then once you get there, once you get to Indianapolis, Joe, and you get that advanced oh, yeah. seed line to the quarters, you know, it, the, the winner of the Big Ten tournament is going to get bumped up at least one, maybe two seed lines in the NCAA tournament. Yes. Yes. And that was, I mean, because that really was last night, guys, was a game. We're talking about anywhere from five to eight. That, that's what they basically are. They, it, wasn't, it wasn't the end-all, be-all for Michigan by any no. stretch of the imagination. Wisconsin's but a good team. That's six-and-a-half number. Yeah, it, it really was. The problem with Wisconsin, again, was their road record, not great. Much better team at home, like most Big Ten teams. Yeah. But they were able to get the job done and convincingly uh, last night, plus 240 on the money line. That was, a, uh, that was a big win. That was a big ticket for those of you uh, that went against the grain there and took the dog. Now, the, the real excitement last night happened after 10 o'clock, guys. And uh, we had said the Pac-12 last night, the featured game, UCLA, Arizona State, uh, two of the hottest teams, not only in the Pac-12, but in the country. I mean, you're talking about a, uh, an Arizona State team that rattled off seven straight wins. UCLA had five straight wins. Now, the UCLA got absolutely boat raced the first time that these two teams yeah. played. So Arizona State, a little more, a uh, little more experience, got the upperclassmen getting three. This was it opened up at three and a half, and UCLA was getting a lot of love yesterday. That line kind of froze a little bit there, guys, and started moving a little bit towards Arizona State. And what you got was a great game. I mean, just an absolutely great game, exactly what we thought it uh, was going to be. And you're talking about just two months ago, UCLA 
being in a situation where they lost at home to Cal State Fullerton, a, a team that is just putrid, guys, like absolutely putrid this year. Nobody, everyone wanted Mick Cronin fired. You know, got to go. Your your ancient old system of half-court basketball, playing at a st- it doesn't work for UCLA kids. Cronin, to his credit, realized, I can't treat this like it's Cincinnati of, uh, of 2015. I got to actually treat this like it's UCLA 20 of 20. He's made some adjustments, and these kids, 10 wins in 12 games now, man, and they have uh, they have really responded. They beat Arizona State last night, and now all of a sudden, they're two games away. Well, they could be two games away from winning the damn Pac-12 title. I mean, it's it's mind-blowing, the job that they've done, but it just goes to show you, man, they've got the athletes. USC, yeah, who, uh, you know, last night took care of business with half the team sick with the flu. Uh, UCLA, you get the good coaches in there. You get these kids, uh, you know, not where it's my way or the highway, but if you, you know, some of these coaches learning how to adapt their styles to the rosters they have, which has always been the big problem in college, is that, you know, these coaches are like, ah, I've been doing it since, you know, Bobby Knight. Yeah, okay, great. What the hell's that got to do with anything? Uh, very impressed with what Mick Cronin has done. We all knew, very successful. Man, a lot of people look sideways at that hire going, that's never going to work. He's too old. He's too figure. He's too old school in his ways. Well, yeah, he's got this team rolling right now. Good for UCLA. I think college basketball, you know, that was the mecca for how many years? Oh, yeah. Right, Jared? I Absolutely. mean, UCLA is. Yeah, the love Russell Westbrook that before building. that. Yeah. Oh, my word. And I mean, you know, you're doing the wooden years, guys. Yeah. They're synonymous with greatness. I love that UCLA is relevant again. Yeah, and I think they're going to they're gonna have a tough time winning the Pac-12 because they've got two tough games down the stretch, Arizona-USC, and Oregon's got a couple of cupcakes, and Oregon's got the tiebreaker. They will likely be the two-seed in the Pac-12 tournament, which is no uh, nothing to, uh, to sneeze over. And again, we talk – it's actually funny because they're a mirror image of what Cincinnati used to do. They're just a little bit more athletic. And they like to slow it yeah, down, too. They have it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're just a little bit more athletic than those Cincinnati teams. And I think it took Cronin a few weeks, a few months, to really figure out how to put the pieces in place. They're another team that likes to right. slow things down, but they're a lot more efficient than yep. they have been in previous you know, months. This is their month. February has been their month. They've only lost yep. one game in February. They're on a seven-game yes. winning, six-game winning streak. They've won eight of their last ten games. And those two losses are at Oregon and at Arizona State, which are the two other best teams in the Pac-12. So they're right there. And in a year where the Pac-12 is down, there are a couple of teams, Oregon one, UCLA now the other, that I think have some of the horses and some of the, the, the coaching and the intangibles to make a run in the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament. Absolutely. And it's good, guys. Having UCLA, uh, UCLA relevant and having the ability to cause some damage here next month, I, I love it. Now, Arizona, the other team from Arizona there, the, uh, the Wildcats had an opportunity there to be able to also uh, put their foot in the door in the first place. Uh, they could have been in a first-place tie with a win over USC, but they weren't able to get that job done. It was a double-double by this Onyeka Okinawa, I can't even pronounce his name because there's a million O's and a Y and a K and everything else. Um, it, amazing to me, double-double from him, and the kid is one of the top 10 best players in the, in the game right now. 3 of 14 from uh, Nico Manano for Arizona really 
Um, that was the that was the big difference maker there. USC was able to get it done. Arizona shoots just 28% from the floor, three of 26 uh, from three-point range. It was a very, very tough night for them on the road. Uh, Shooting-wise, we told you Colorado throws up all over themselves at Cal. The only other team right now, I mean, that Oregon, basically. Basically, yeah. Duarte and company. Yeah, they go in there. They take care of business, uh, you know, at their own home court there against Oregon State. And now Oregon, once again, is in a prime position to be able to lead the Pac-12. I want you guys in the pit to record this for when Oregon's in the Final Four uh, in a few weeks. Mm -hmm. Peyton Pritchard yes. is the truth. And everything yep. we heard, uh, you know, out of, out, of, out of Eugene this week was they wanted revenge because they beat Oregon State. Get, they got the revenge. Now they have bigger fish to yes, fry. Peyton Pritchard has such a good feel for the game, Joe. He knows when his team needs yes. a bucket, he gets it. When his other guys need to get involved, he dishes it. He is totally in control of the situation, and that is how you win games in March. Peyton Pritchard's going to take his team far this year. Yep, Dana Altman, one of the best coaches, yes. underrated coaches Very in college underrated. basketball as well. All right, we'll take a look at the, uh, the slate here tonight coming up. Plenty of games to go over. We'll start doing that next here on The Grid. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. The NFL Combine is here, which means uh, a lot going on. The NFL had like a two-week reprieve where baseball kind of outshined them a little bit uh, with the headlines. But the NFL's like, nice try, Major League Baseball. Uh, we've got the Combine. we got the draft coming up, uh, which means I can't think of anybody better to be able to talk about all of this than with, uh, with Charlie Cashley, of course, former GM, front office, you name it, now an analyst. Uh, he joins us on the phone here this morning. And... Charlie, thank you so very much for taking a few minutes to hang with us. The combine is on everybody's mind, and more so than anything else, the quarterback position. We had a chance to we had a chance to see a few guys here at the combine over the last 24 hours. What were your impressions of what you saw from the quarterback position yesterday? Well, the the four guys to concentrate on because because they could work out were uh, Jordan Love uh, from Utah State. Uh, Justin Herbert uh, from Oregon. Uh, we've got Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma, and uh, Jake Fromm from uh, from Georgia. Those were the four guys uh, to me you concentrated on. Now, uh, in, in breaking them down and how I summarized the thing last night, I saw that uh, uh, I thought Herbert and Love uh, were the two best as far as accuracy goes, and and that's all you can judge. And people will say, well. They're not throwing to the receivers, and they don't know the routes as well. Well, that's accurate. So all you're doing is judging what they did. Remember, the single most important thing is how they played uh, the games uh, and, and how they're going to interview and how they're going to react when you put them uh, through your mental testing for the quarterback position. So you're really just grading uh, what they did last night, and, 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 and you, that, that factors into a, to a degree. Uh, and it's good because it's the first time you saw them. But anyway, uh, love the ball. 
probably is a little bit tighter on the spiral, a little bit more impressive with mm. the release. Um, so if you're just grading the workout last night, Love one, Herbert two, but they're both really dead even. Um, and then when you go from there, Jalen Hurts did a nice job. Um, and he, he's, he's probably the most fascinating guy because Herbert, uh, everybody kind of knows what he is. Great uh, throwing talent athlete. Uh, had an inconsistent senior year. Um, you know, Love didn't play with a lot of talent. Um, he's fearless. He's got some Patrick Mahomes type in him when I say fearless. Uh, didn't play with the same level of talent this year as he did in the past. Uh, system was different. Uh, so, again, his decision-making wasn't quite as clean as you want. Now, Hurts, people have called him Lamar Jackson. Uh, he's a better passer mm. coming out of college than Lamar Jackson, in my opinion. More accurate. Uh, better from the pocket. And uh, last night, he, he had a, uh, a fairly impressive night. He was behind the other two as far as accuracy and ball placement. Now, ball placement, I'm going to define as this. Um, if the receiver's running a route, we want the ball where it's a catchable ball with, with ease. He doesn't have to reach back. He doesn't have to dive and jump. And so Hertz was number three uh, in that area. Uh, and then you drew a line uh, to the next two. Uh, Jacob Eason from uh, uh, the University of Washington, good arm, uh, accuracy, uh, ball placement. We're not as good. And same thing with Jake Fromm. Uh, so, so they were kind of a, a tied uh, for uh, uh, the next position after that. So that's how I broke them down. Charlie, uh, one of the quarterbacks who you will not be seeing work out this week, but I'm sure you've watched plenty of tape on, uh, is Joe Burrow. And and, and all of the talk uh, all week long has been about his hand size. Uh, we have uh, someone I work with here at Sports Grid who thinks that because of his uh, you know smaller hand size that he's going to be a bust in the NFL. Uh, I, I wouldn't go that far at all. Uh, I'm curious your take on hand size and how it translates to Burrow's game at the next level. Well, I, I don't have the hand sizes of all the quarterbacks who've done well. I, it, it seems to me Mahomes is, uh, doesn't have a big hand. No. The two of them are acting like they got mm. the same hand. So uh, Mahomes just won the Super Bowl. So uh, I, I think he can win the Super Bowl with that hand size. I don't see watching the tape uh, any in, in, uh, any instances where I can say that's the hand size is a problem. I did a poll the other day, uh, and uh, 20, I think I had 27 teams in it. And of those, 23 had Burrow ahead of Tua as the number one quarterback. Mm. Uh, three had two, and one had it uh, as a tie at this point in time. So, I, I, first, I don't think it's going to affect his draft status. I think history shows uh, that you can win with that hand size. Yeah, Charlie, the other big topic of conversation, of course, is for the first time is where the hell is Tom Brady going to be playing? <laughs> and, you know, this this cat and mouse game going back and forth is amazing between the, the PR folks at the Patriots and Tom Brady's people. It's really fun to watch. But the reality is, I mean, listen, I don't like when my toothbrush is moved in the morning, right? I mean, Tom Brady, he's, <laughs> he's in his 40s. Charlie, does he want anything to do with a new system, new coach? I mean, is he going back to the Patriots, in your opinion? Uh, again, it's only my opinion. Uh, I've said all along I think that's where he'll end up. And, again, it's just conjecture. Uh, I think he wants to see what the market is money-wise so he can go to the Patriots and, and, and say, okay, here, here's what the market is. Uh, but I think his bigger question is, I mean, he's always been a competitive guy and he wants to win is, uh, you know, I'm sure he's going to want to know from each team. Uh, not uh, the money is going to be secondary, though it, it, it's going to mean something to him. Uh, 
how can I win? How can I win a Super Bowl next year? And for the Patriots, we know the defense, um, uh, even though it overachieves, uh, they'll find a way to have it overachieve and be at least solid anyway. But uh, who's he going to throw to? Now, there's no question tight end is a major gap for him. And I'm not sure how they're going to fill it. Not a lot of tight ends in this draft. Uh, uh, There are some good ones that they can get after the first round. Uh, but you know, there's a little bit of uh, luck involved there because there's a whole bunch of them made together. Not really sure how they're going to pan out, but you like a lot of them, uh, a lot of third-round tight ends. Um, I, I don't think you can bank on free agency um, or trades. So uh, they, they've always been good at you know making trades. Uh, I, I'd be fascinated to see how they feel about receiver because when you defend them, you don't have to defend the tight end. you got to defend the slot. There's nobody outside to me that scares me. And I think they need that. I think they need somebody outside that can can, can make plays. Speed. Charlie, you, you, you set me up for my next question. It, it does appear that the deepest position uh, in this draft is that wide receiver position. Fascinating at the top. You've got the LSU kids. You've got the Clemson kids. There's a couple of, uh, of other big-name wide receiver talent in this draft. CeeDee Lamb's the first one that comes to mind. We saw the Alabama kid, Ruggs, uh, yesterday put up a good 40 time. Uh, is, is there someone that you think is going to emerge as that top receiver? And if not, wh- why is this class so much deeper than other ones? It's it, hey, it, who, that's an answer that I don't think anybody can give you. I, these things just go in cycles. Mm. Uh, that's all it is. Uh, and uh, we've seen years where there hasn't been this many receivers. Now we could say that uh, more teams are uh, spread, more teams are throwing the ball, so more players get a chance to show their talent. Yeah. Uh, and if they do, then they get a chance to get a higher grade. So I guess that would be the uh, theoretical answer to it. But uh, uh, Judy. Jerry Judy of Alabama, C.D. Lamb, those are the top two, in my opinion, watching the tape. And last night, uh, very, very close. I, Lamb would probably get my vote from the workout, but they're both outstanding. You take either one, you're happy. Lamb, maybe the feet are a little bit better in the drills they did, but I would do some different drills to kind of judge that. Uh, I, off the tape, I had Judy just a hair ahead. You can take either one to me. They're both outstanding. Comparing them, I think both. Uh, to me, play faster than Julio Jones did in college mm, off wow. the tape. Um, he went six. Amari Cooper went five. Clear difference between these guys and Amari Cooper. These guys are much faster than Cooper. Um, and then, you know, Odell Beckham didn't go quite as high. To me, Beckham is kind of the standard right now. Uh, if you're just talking physical talent to play the position, these guys are in that discussion. Yeah, it's uh, and Charlie, we just got a couple of uh, just uh, another minute or so here of all the yeah. free agent quarterbacks. And we can't thank you enough for the time here of all those free agent quarterbacks that are going to be available this year. Who Who is at the top of the list outside of Tom Brady? I mean, do, is Philip Rivers? Is he going to Indy? Is he going to be the guy everyone wants? Mariota? You know, it just seems like there's so many guys available that just have not been available for a long, long time. Yeah, quick, too. Rivers can still play. He's an offensive line in a running game. I'd be shocked if he's not in Indianapolis. Got a lot of coaching ties there. System uh, right away. Uh, turnovers, though. Turnovers would concern me. But uh, the guy can still play with the uh, circumstances I gave you. Teddy Bridgewater is a fascinating one. Playoff quarterback with Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Healthy now. Smart guy. Knows where to go with the ball. Not necessarily a cannon for an arm. But, but smart. Can get the ball to the right guy with accuracy. And, uh, and he's young. So uh, he's the guy I'm fascinated to see what action he gets.
Darla, is there someone is in Mariota this draft? Done? Is Mariota done, Charlie? I'm sorry, we only got about 30 seconds. Is Mariota finished, you think, as a starter in the NFL? Well, nobody's going to take him as a starter right now. He's got to rebuild his mechanics uh, and maybe rebuild confidence in a sense. Uh, he's got to be more aggressive throwing the ball. So uh, he, he needs to go to school for a year, and then we'll see where he is, maybe like Tannehill. Yeah, all right. There you go. All right, Charlie Cashley, uh, can't thank you enough for taking the time, of course. NFL analyst, NFL Network, everywhere. You can check out Charlie Cashley. Make sure you check him out also on Twitter because if you want to know what's going on at the Combine, you want breakdowns, you got it with Charlie. Charlie, thank you for taking the time, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, great with you guys. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks. Okay, Appreciate thanks. it. Charlie Cashley there. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – I got to tell you that I'm um, – I'm fascinated by this time of year when it comes to the NFL. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about this on the uh, on the other side. I don't know what the hell to believe and what not to believe. I almost believe the opposite of everything we're being told <laughs> because usually we don't ever know. I, I mean, would it shock you if Tua went before Burrow? Ah! We'll break that down uh, coming up next year along with some NBA college hoops next year on The Grid. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Great stuff from uh, Charlie Casterly there uh, joining us here on the early line. Appreciate his time. Of course, the combine is on uh, everyone's mind as the the NFL back to uh, dominating headlines and Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred could not be happier for it. So congratulations there. But very interesting day as you're starting here, as you're waking up, you're probably going to read a lot here this morning about um, how fast some of these guys were oh, yesterday, yeah. the wide receivers, the ones from Oklahoma and Lamb. And, you know, ju- these guys are just, they're burners, right? They're big dudes who can burn the wide receivers, even some of the tight ends, some of those skill position guys that teams like the Patriots and others need, chock full of them in this draft. But again, you know, Jared, I this this time of year is fascinating to me because it's all about misdirection with teams. Yeah. You know, we're going to go with this guy. We're not going to go with this guy. We're going to go. And you just don't know. I mean, I know so many people are so convinced that Joe Burrow is going to be the number one pick here for Cincinnati. Listen, if somebody, A, jumps up and, and gets Tua, or if somebody goes misdirection and, and lands Tua, even in Cincinnati, I know everyone's convinced he's going to Cincinnati. Uh, None of it would surprise me, but the guys he mentioned, right? Tua, uh, Herbert, Jordan Love, who some people think in the long run will be the best quarterback out of all of these guys, uh, and maybe the the longest. Uh, This is so top-heavy quarterback this year. Not with the, it's an Andrew Luck, it's a guaranteed, but there are are so many quarterbacks available. That team can't, yeah, exactly. They can't avoid not taking. In other words, if I'm a if I'm a GM and I need a quarterback, 
I can't pass on one of these guys. Like, I can't allow it to go somewhere else in the draft. You have to go. These guys are just, they're so, they're good enough where I've got to take, I've got to take that shot with you. Whether if I'm in the top 10 and I need a quarterback, I've got to draft one of them. Yeah, that was a pun. Handful. I'm trying to make fun of. No, that's uh, why, I man. It was very nice. Yeah, it was well done. Yes, it was well done. <laughs> I have my moments yeah. on Friday, even though that it's it's early for me still. Uh, but I'm getting used to the schedule, and I do like the aesthetic in the morning when it's nice and quiet in here. Um, I, I'll say this about Tua: We've been talking about Tua Tagliabue for three years as the number one quarterback ever. Cannot wait to draft this guy, and it's uh, and Joe Burrow obviously deserves the praise that he is getting. I watched plays that Joe Burrow made this year, and I was like, I didn't know quarterback could make those plays. Those are Patrick Mahomes type of plays. He made a play against Georgia that I'm still like, I, I like if I'm ever feeling sad about my day, I'll go watch that play and I'll be like, wow, that just made me feel better about myself because that was incredible. Uh, top to bottom, this right. is a very intriguing quarterback draft. I do think Burrow and two will go one two, not one two order, but one two quarterbacks. I would be a little surprised if Tua jumped him just because of the injury concerns that Tua has. I think Burrow is slightly more of a sure thing at this moment today. But Tua, and you mentioned it, Jordan Love, might be the better quarterback down the road. In fact, I'll make a prediction today that the Patriots will draft Jordan Love at some point in the later half of the first round, and he becomes the next Jimmy Garoppolo uh, that, that goes on to great stardom, whether it be with New England or be another team like San Francisco. The wide receiver answers I thought were interesting, too. We are in, and and I thought Charlie gave a very interesting answer. He gave like the non-committal GM answer, but then he gave the answer that I was actually right. expecting, which is we are going to see the expansion of these wide receivers uh, because of the way that the college football game has evolved. And now every year there are going to be this type. There's going to be this type of class. Now there's going to be lulls in it, but the depth of these classes because of what we're seeing in college football, you're not going to see many drafts where wide receivers are really thin because there's just so many of them right. to choose from. The volume is just so deep. I'm fascinated to see who goes first between Judy uh, and, and uh, CeeDee Lamb. I thought CeeDee Lamb on paper, uh, eye test-wise, looked better to me this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but we'll see what the, you know, what the draft evaluators say. I know there's a lot of teams that need wide receivers. And the quarterback position, yep. by March 18th, March 19th, when free agency opens, that's when the, the pieces will start to settle that's when we'll get a bit of a clearer picture about other teams that need quarterbacks. We might see a surprise in free agency that shakes up the entire draft. We don't know yet. Uh, We still have a couple more weeks to go until we find that out. But the quarterback wide receiver position, very fascinating to me this year. Obviously, uh, it's going to be Burrow and Tua uh, as the top two guys. I would be shocked if if three out of the first six picks aren't quarterbacks. Yeah. If you're fair. not if you're if you're not if you need a quarterback and you get to the number three and Justin Herbert is not your pick uh, because Tua and Burrow went, I don't know what the hell you're doing. I mean, I there is no way in the world these quarterbacks. This is as good as it gets from the standpoint of listen. At best, you can you hold your fingers, you hope, right? They they check a lot of the boxes. Arm, uh, arm strength, accuracy, been there, done that, a little bit older. Like, all of it, yeah. these guys are not the kinds of guys that you can go and let them fall down and let somebody else fit. No, like, you need a quarterback in this day and age in the NFL. This board right now is got four. Eason is another guy. Eason reminds me of uh, of the Buffalo Bills quarterback where – Josh the guy Allen. can throw the ball. I mean, he's yeah. got the biggest arm guys you've ever seen. Him and uh, and um, uh, they have the biggest arm. Jordan Love's got a monster arm, but Eason has a absolute cannon of an arm. 
And the rest, you kind of work on mechanics. Even Jalen Hurts. Jalen yeah, Hurts, Hurts is, is going to go to somebody. He's going to go to somebody. I don't know if it's in the second round, third round. Yeah. But he, too, has apparently worked on his mechanics. The ball's coming out quicker. They said he looked better here than he did from a mechanic standpoint than he has his whole entire college career. So I think the draft is if you need a quarterback, I doubt very much you're going to say, let's hope this guy's around for round two. Three out of that top six better be a quarterback right now. I, I think Hurts, and it's funny that he mentioned and he compared, I mean, he made the comparison to Lamar Jackson. I was not expecting, because mm-hmm. I remember Charlie was the one who was preaching Lamar uh, a few years ago. And, yep. and you know, to hear him, and first of all, you're right, it was great that we talked to Charlie Cat. I mean, this is a guy that, that, that I was, I've been reading his yes. takes on NFL personnel uh, for the last decade, <laughs> you know, yeah, probably two right. decades. And 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 I, I I'm fascinated when when he mentioned Lamar Jackson in the same breath as Jalen Hurts. I I don't know if if Hurts has that kind of game breaking ability, Joe. But what I saw from Hurts this year is a little more mobility than what we saw with Alabama, and that's right. always intriguing to me because he, he he was a good thrower and 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 he had a good grasp of the game, but he he always felt a little bulky to me. You know, when especially in that game, right. you know, it just—I always felt like he wasn't making the plays on the edge, which he was this year with Oklahoma. Granted, they ran an offense that just features their stars, and Lamb helped him out a lot. They had an absolutely game-breaking wide receiving core, uh, speed everywhere. But to me, hurts. There's going to be a team that takes a chance on him. I could see a team bumping themselves up into the late first round, like they did with, like the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson. And taking a chance on a kid, yep. because you're right, when you get to this stage in the draft, I think the top three are pretty set. It's going to be Burrow, Tua, uh, and Herbert in that order, I think. Uh, from there, I would say Love is the next guy. And then I think that fifth quarterback, and we saw the quarterback number prop released uh, in the first round at four and a half with plus money to the over. Well, we just gave you four names yep. that are locks to be first-round picks. The fifth one hurts yep. To me, is the wild card. Maybe Eason's a wild card as yeah. well. I don't think he's a first round talent yep. based on what I've seen. I think Hurts, because of his mobility and game breaking ability that he has developed over the last year plus, yes. makes him a first round talent. There is going to be a team that takes a chance on him. It's just a matter of how the rest of this quarterback kind of class shapes out in the free agency market. Teddy Bridgewater was the name he mentioned that I was also very intrigued about. He's going to make some team very happy, I think, and I think the Saints are going to miss him next year. Yeah, they are. Um, and I know the Saints keep saying they have, and I agree with the move of, of bringing back and he wants to play, then Breeze plays. I mean, yeah. Taysom Hill is not a franchise quarterback. I know people keep, they want that to be true, but he's not. No. Um, he is exactly the the perfect Swiss Army knife. He's a great player that you can play anywhere, do any. He's a matchup nightmare uh, for guys if used correctly, but he is not a guy that's going to lead this franchise. So uh, Breeze, I think, probably still gives you the best chance to win one, even for one more year. I think you got to take that shot, and I think it'll be interesting to see who they bring in with so many, let's face it, with so many different free agent quarterbacks available. The backup position is going to be very interesting in New Orleans. Oh, Teddy yeah. Bridgewater goes someplace else. Who might it be? Might it be a Mariota? Might you know what I mean? He he's said a name Mariota's that can shake a, things up. Absolutely, he's a guy that's got to go rehab it. Like you said, he's got to re. He's got to all his tools. Not exactly like he's had, uh, you know, a wealth of stability 
from an offensive standpoint in Tennessee, guys working with him. So uh, I he was do a bad fit for like that Tannehill, offense, Joe. He was a bad fit for that offense. Tannehill's a much better fit for the offense. It was a bad fit, fit everywhere. Tannehill's a much better fit for that offense. He would be so much better in New Orleans. Yes, oh, yeah, and he'd be absolutely. so much better in a place like New Orleans. Weapons around him, indoors, can run. It's a million times better. So I'd be very interested to see Bridgewater sign someplace else. Who's that backing up the Drew Brees? Because it ain't going to be Taysom Hill, guys. No, it's no, just, it, no, that's, it's not. You guys will be crying, and I tell you, after <laughs> six weeks going, God, who thought this dude could play quarterback? He's great when you play when he throws three balls a game. You know what I mean? But I don't want him under center. Uh, for 40 snaps and a guy like I just don't uh, yeah. I, I don't think that's a and, and he, Sean Payton's much smarter than that you mentioned smoke screens I think his overtures to be a, a backup were a little bit of a plea yes. to get more money and that's fair hey it's business yes. get your money but yep. if, if they put him in a place to fail if they set him up to fail in that role it's only going to decrease his yep. value he is a and, and sometimes you just got to know what you are brother you're a great player where you are. Just keep doing what you're doing because you can help the Saints win a Super Bowl. He can win a game for you in the playoffs with, with his ability. Self-awareness, baby. That's what it's all about. Hour one in the book. Breaking down these games coming up. Hour two next on the grid.